Well, family, welcome back again, and shalom and good night, Lala Tov, to the whole family. Tonight we have this class, which is dealing with spiritual attacks. Let's begin with a word of prayer and get our minds right as we go into a very important topic for discussion. Father, we give all praise and glory unto your name. We thank you, Father, for the sighting of the moon. We thank you so much for our families who have been able to see it for themselves, especially those who are learning how to read the signs that you have set in the sky that we can see it no matter where we are on this earth. I pray, Father, that as we look up to the heavens towards you, I pray, Father, that you will bless our people and that you will deliver us from this captivity. And Father, I pray that the year ahead of us, the days and the months ahead of us, will be ones of deliverance, of prosperity, and blessings upon the house of Israel. I pray, Father, that you will remove from us the sicknesses and the diseases that have afflicted our people for so long ago. And Abba, you know that we love you, and we're struggling to hold on to our very selves, but we are turning to you, and we're holding on to you, and we pray that you will keep us in your care. Bless our elders, our younger ones, or everyone else in between, and may your name be praised forever. We thank you in Yeshua's name. So family, as of late, there have been a lot of requests for prayers, and first let me salute the prayer team, our brothers and sisters who gather every day of the week except for the Shabbats to pray on the behalf of the house of Israel. It reminds me of the most high servant Job who offer sacrifices for his children when they were out on their business doing whatever. And I'm not sure if they knew that daddy was offering protective sacrifices for them or not, but he did so because he was concerned about the enemy and how things operate in the dark. When I say dark, it doesn't necessarily mean when the sun is set, but it means in places where our eyes cannot see, in the hidden places on the spiritual realm. And our prayer team has been equivalent to Job in, in the sense of always presenting the Hebrews and the whole house of Israel who have not only been afflicted with different situations, but also who have words of encouragement or praises or whatever. They have been doing this along with Elder uh, for some time now. And I salute all of you who have been doing this for a while and uh, many many Hebrews don't even realize that someone has been praying for your well-being and without those prayers being going up before the throne, you don't even realize how at the skin of your teeth, probably, you were able to escape many situations. The prayer of the saints of the Most High is very important. As a people, we have to pray often. We have to pray for each other. And we have to pray that the Most High deliver us from this captivity. So 
from the soldiers who are in a fight against the spiritual wickedness in high places. The Most High will bless you, but always remember that because you are on a battlefield for Israel, the enemy will try his very best to take you out piece at a time. Nevertheless, don't be afraid. Just know that because you are doing what is right, that you have been selected for a little bit of of combat testing. So (laughs) that is part of the walk. I have been through many battles through my life and have seen how the Most High have delivered not just myself, but many others from all, all types of situations. And so I'm so grateful to know how the prayers themselves can be very effective in this day and age. So I have been receiving family uh, uh, emails and messages about different attacks. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that many of you all in this chat room probably are dealing with certain spiritual battles yourself. And so tonight, uh, this class, and I don't even believe that this class tonight is going to cover uh, too much, but we'll do our best to at least um, bring some understanding of, of how things can affect us and what we need to do to get ourselves right before the Most High. I believe that's the most important thing. First thing you got to do or a physician would do is identify where the problem is coming from and then try to fix it. Basically, it's troubleshooting. And as Israelites, we also have to troubleshoot ourselves. We have to locate where the problem is and address that problem. Otherwise, we will continue to open ourselves to attacks and we don't want that. Okay. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And obviously, when we read the book of Job, uh, chapter 1, it speaks about this man who, was, who feared the Most High. He was upright before the Most High. And while the sons of Elohim got together, Satan showed up in the midst and started to have this dialogue about the, uh, the servant of the Most High, which is Job. And after this conversation between the devil and the Most High, we find a series of, of events happening to this, um, this man. And the trials were very heavy on him. He lost not just his businesses, he lost his children, he lost his wife, walked away from him. I mean, there was a whole lot of different things that happened to him. Even the body, his, his very body was plagued. And, you know, in most times when these kind of things happen to to our people or to us, people don't realize that perhaps the first thing that people do is they question your relationship with the Most High. That's just a normal thing. They, they see your situation, you've lost your job, your children are dead, or your children walked away, your wife walked away, everything is going wrong and you're sick, you got boils all over your body. First thing that they do, I'm not even speaking about those who don't know the Most High. I'm speaking about Christians. Now, you would think that a Christian would 
remember the story of Job and think and say, well, perhaps you're just going through a trial by the Most High, and maybe because you're selected uh, for righteousness' sake. But the first thing they would do is start to accuse you of all kinds of stuff. That's just natural. However, if we peel back the curtain of the spiritual world and peeked behind the scenes, we will understand that there are so many things that is happening that our eyes are not privy to. And while we live in a material world, we actually live in a spiritual world, and we have to be geared up for that. So Shaul was saying to us that this fight that we have is not just, it's not about flesh and blood, but it's dealing with spiritual wickedness, powers, angels, demons on different levels. And uh, they're not just one kind of wicked angels. They're all different forms and fashions. They're angels that cover a whole realm of issues. And we can't address things as just simply, well, this is just a physical problem or whatnot. And we will show some scriptures or some verses in the Bible that covers that too. Okay. So let's get right to it, family. Let's get right to it. And hopefully it's my intention that our brothers and sisters can go to the word, the book, the word of our king, and use the scriptures to help you in your daily walk. Uh, Some of you are right now in the midst of a spiritual hurricane and can't find your way out of it. But there's something called the eye of the hurricane, the eye of the storm. That's that calm, quiet time. But after that eye passes, then you get another portion of blows from the other side of the hurricane, and you still have to hold on. And once that passes, there'll be blue skies again. So we have to understand how things work, and we will show some of these things within um, the Bible. Okay, so first thing, we're going to go to Colossians 2 and 15. And notice that Yeshua had always exposed the work of darkness. That in itself is a separate class, but when you read Colossians 2.15, it says, And having spoiled principalities, this is about Yeshua, and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphant over them in it. The Bible is saying that our king, Yeshua HaMashiach, exposed these demons. He made a show of them openly. He didn't cover them up. He didn't address them as just acts of nature. Once the demons was around, he always exposed them. Once you expose them, then you can deal with the problem. Matthew chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, it says, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. One thing Satan likes to do is to hide behind prosperity. He walks around watching our day in and day out activities, and then he builds up a file on us. He sees what we like. If we like strawberry ice cream, for example, he will say, okay, he likes strawberry ice cream. Uh, he likes this drink. He likes this meal. He has a file, and he watches and sees what you like, 
uh, what you don't like. And he would use your day in and day out activities against you. If you are in need of certain things, he will see how he can amp it up a little bit so that he can get the glory rather than the most high. But there's always a price that you pay when you shake hands with the devil, so to speak. There's always that price to pay, and uh, it's not worth it at all. And Satan was trying to um, stop the work of Yeshua because Yeshua came specifically to bring back the lost sheep of the house of Israel to restore Israel again through teaching of the scriptures and healing and such like. And this event of the Messiah himself was going to cause a lot of problems for the workers of darkness. And so Satan was trying to entice Yeshua. And we can learn a lot of things from this particular reading where we can see how Satan, his approach, his way of attack, how he would uh, try to entice you with certain things. And from there on, if once he gets you, that's it, you're gone. But Yeshua is setting an example for us that we should reject um, whatever that Satan is presenting. Bible says, He show him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of these kingdoms of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give to you, give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then saith Yeshua unto him, Get thee hence Satan. He called him my name. He exposed him, and he drove him away from him. And he says, for it is written. Now, this is key to our understanding of dealing with spiritual attacks by unclean spirits. Always remember the scriptures where it is written. And it is, I should say it this way, isn't it ironic, family, that we have these religious establishments that will... um, try to move us away from the strength of the scriptures by saying that the Torah itself is done away with and we don't have to do those things anymore. And all you need is just a New Testament Bible with the uh, Proverbs and the Psalms in there. And that's sufficient. No. Yeshua was dealing with a whole book, the entire Tanakh. And he says, it is written, you shall worship Yahweh, your Elohim. Even the Elohim of Israel, Satan is subject to him. He says, your Elohim and him only shall you, Satan, serve. Now that's, that's found in the Torah. If you get rid of the Torah, you're going to have, you're going to open yourself up for um, all kinds of spiritual problems. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So once the word was used, if you notice carefully, Yeshua stood his ground and he utilized scriptures. That's the way we can defeat Hasatan. That's the way we can fight against our enemy. Now, when Yeshua arrived on the scene, he found... The Hebrews was in a complete mess. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 9 for some examples here. Matthew 9, 32, 37. He found Israelites was in a mess. 
And the Bible describes the condition of the people and family. It's no different, different from what's happening today. When you look around, you can see the influences of Satan manifested through different forms, whether it's music or arts, and you name it, um, social Social media has, has actually taken over people's lives where everyone is trying to emulate what's going on in social media. So let's go to Matthew 9, and we'll pick it up at verse 32 to 37. Let me start at 31. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. Now, you can start <clears throat> looking at Yeshua's works, even in Matthew, uh, I think it's chapter 4. Let me see. But I prefer to start here because there's a little bit more meat. But in Matthew 4, in verses 23, it mentions that once Yeshua was finished with the devil, he got baptized. First thing that he did was he went, he got uh, some men together. And he went into the synagogues, and he went preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of diseases among the people. That's the first thing that he did. So you could imagine <clears throat> when he came on the scene, the amount of the, the condition or the amount of um, demonic uh, infestation that was around uh, Jerusalem at the time or around Israel. He says, Verses 32, and they brought out, behold, and they went out, excuse me, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. So the man was dumb, but the evaluation was, well, he was just dumb. And even in today's world, most people will be diagnosed as some kind of a physical impairment. Maybe something medical is happening to them that they can't speak or they can't see or hear. But in the time of Yeshua, he's, the Bible is letting us know the reason that the people could not, or this person couldn't speak was because he was possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. Imagine that. So it means to say that <clears throat> the condition of the people was so bad, something had to be done. And even in, in our day-to-day -day family, we find a lot of the same things are happening. Our people are battling demons and don't even know it's a demon because the doctor has said it's not a demon. Or, well, they don't even uh, go that route. But they will say, well, you're suffering from mental issues and depression and it'll give you pills and it'll give you all kinds of stuff to deal with whatever mental state that you're in. But Yeshua is showing us that these things are of, of spiritual nature. But the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Now, how would they know this thing? <laughs> and Yeshua went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
when he saw the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them. Broke his heart because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore, Adonai of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Family, this is the condition that our people were in back then. And it is not going to be a strange thing that our people are still in that condition where demons are controlling the homes and attacking us for different reasons. And we'll cover that too. Matthew 14, we'll take a look at 14. It says, And Yeshua went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. So Israelites were in a bad state of mind, bad condition, and we need healing. Not just those who are already healed or don't have any issues. Sometimes there are quiet spirits that it's almost like a person with a certain sickness that it doesn't kill them, but it, it kind of hampers their, um, or stifle their growth and everything, but it, they're functioning, but they're still not healed. And our people who are in that condition also needs uh, help. We're going to take a look at Mark 9 and 17. Mark 9 and 17. And let us take a read in there. It says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which have a dumb spirit. So that means that the boy could not speak. Yet there was something that was manifested that allowed his father to know that this wasn't something of an ordinary nature, that his son had a spirit. He says, a dumb spirit. Verses 18 says, And wheresoever he taketh him, so wherever the demon controlled and took him, took him down the street, roaming the street, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth his teeth, and pined away. And I spake to your disciples, that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. So the demon saw the power of Yeshua and right away had to bow down and was trying to destroy this man. You know, if I can't have him, I'll just destroy this body, that type of wicked spirit. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. It's not only the son who is going through this ordeal, but these demons affect the whole family. Everyone is affected one way or the other. So it's, it's very difficult to just ignore this kind of situation. 
the parent who has to take care of the child is trying to find answers and trying to find help, some way to deliver their loved one. And sometimes it's even harder when your family turn away from you in your time of need. It compounds that pressure on you as a parent when you need help and people, they will try at first to help. And then after a while, when they see, well, we're not really making much ground here, let's just move on and there's nothing we can do. Again, that's just human nature. Uh, but our, our king is showing us that first thing that we need to have is compassion, and we need to also utilize the scriptures. Verses 23, Yeshua said unto him, If you can't believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. All things are possible to him that believe. We have to believe, family. This is crucial. I think this is one of the main problems that uh, we are facing because uh, Kifa, when the water was going all kinds of different ways and they were on a ship and Yeshua was walking on the water and he asked Yeshua, can I come out to meet you? And he said, sure, come on. And uh, here's Kifa taking a walk in the water and everything was good. But when he looked around and he started to realize his, his mind started to work against him, nature kicked in and disbelief started to work his way and he started to sink. You know, and this is an example for us. The Bible says in straightway, the father of the child cried out and says with tears, Lord, I believe, help you, my unbelief. Please help my unbelief. When Yeshua saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, You dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. Hallelujah. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. So I tell you, Satan... And his, um, his angels are something else, family. And everyone saw this young man as if he was dead. But Yeshua took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. That's important, family. Prayer and fasting is essential in dealing with certain types of spirits. Sometimes you can just pray and it will be taken care of. But when you're dealing with a real force of spiritual nature, you need to have the extra powers family to deal with these issues and the only way you can get it is through a process of being pure we're going to go to that too we have to be pure in order for us to fight against these spirits because the spirits are looking at the bodies to see the condition um, to know if i can go in here and stay in here and whoever is approaching 
to try to bring healing to this person, to drive the spirits away. The spirits are looking at your body to see if you are capable of driving them away. This is why those evil spirits fell down when they saw Yeshua. They fell down, okay? And the spirits are subject to us if we understand how things work on the spiritual realm and use those things that have been given to us. Let's go now to the book of Matthew, chapter 10, and we'll read verses 1. Matthew 10 and 1. So the disciples were exposed as not being capable of helping this man. However, Yeshua did give the disciples the power, which we should be looking at as our own example in dealing with spirits and and spiritual warfare. The Bible says in Matthew 10 and 1, when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. He gave it to them, family against unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal all manner of sicknesses and all manner of diseases. So what we're looking at here is to have a different understanding when it comes to sicknesses. Sicknesses, in most cases, is connected to spiritual wickedness. And we ought to understand it as physicians in this, um, this walk, when we are coming out from darkness into light, and we want to help our fellow brethren who are suffering, there are certain steps that we have to take to get ourselves right. But we'll, we'll get into that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to read verses 43 to 45, which is up on the screen. It says, when the unclean spirit is gone out, of a man. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Yeshua says, Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now I have up on the screen some um, recording artists. Some of you all may be familiar if you are of a younger generation, and those of you who are an older generation will be blinking your eyes like, who, who are those people? <laughs> um, they look very strange. You can see how, how lost and broken these souls are. This is the generation that, in most cases, when you look at a lot of these uh, young men and women, most of them came out from the church environment. Whitney Houston herself was was raised in the church and look what became of her she found herself on drugs sexual immorality and you name it the list goes on i mean only heaven has the record on her life but she's just one example of many and you can see that when the people themselves were once 
in a place that they receive some word. At that particular time, the, the demons left and, you know, they were in the word and at least they were trying to do things that was right and whatnot. And the demons will circle around and say, okay, um, that body, that was a good home over there. If you look at the text, the Bible says in verses 44, Then he saith, I will return into my house. The demon is saying, the evil spirit is saying that that body belongs to me. That is my home. My furniture is in there. Everything is in there. And I was kicked out. But I'm going to get some reinforcements, and I'm going to come back full force, and this time I'll be secure in my house. Our king is letting us know what is happening behind the scenes. And sometimes we think it's just one spirit that we're dealing with, but family, no, that's not the case. Sometimes it's a multitude of spirits that we have to battle against. The important thing that we must always keep in mind is that if we don't have the word of heaven, the word of our Elohim, we are nothing but dead men. All we're going to be is just an empty shell to harbor or to become a home for unclean spirits. And the Most High didn't make us to be inhabited with evil spirits. He made us so that he could inhabit our bodies. But we were designed to have a spirit in there, at least one spirit, which is the spirit of the, the Most High. But the demons themselves have done something that they were not supposed to do, which is cross the line and go into people's bodies. And therefore, to this very day, the generation of today, they might be smiling at you, they might be singing songs or whatever, but these people are infested with demons. And so family, whatever was happening back in the day of, of the Messiah, this stuff is still happening today. So we can't just sit back and be easy about stuff. We have to understand what we're dealing with. Now, let's, um, let's move on. This is a warning. Demons can attach themselves to idols. Demons can attach themselves to idols. Idols become a doorway that they can come on in and uh, occupy houses. Since we are denoted as a house or tabernacle, demons have vessels that they can use, that they can attach themselves to, almost like a, um, like a trap, a snare. Once you hold on to this thing, that demon comes into you. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 25 to 26. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 25 to 26 says, The graven images... Of their gods shall you burn with fire. This is the Most High speaking to us, to Israel, and saying when you're dealing with graven images, graven images of their gods. Now, what I like to say about this, just a quick side note, the images themselves is an image of something else. The Bible could have says, their gods you shall burn with fire. But it says the graven images of their gods, meaning that the images is something else, the gods is something else, but the gods is attached to these images. It's a representation of those gods. The Bible says, shall you burn with fire? 
you shall not desire the silver or gold that is on them. Keep that in mind. The silver and the gold that's on these gods, because a lot of these statues and whatnot may be overlaid with silver and gold. You might say, well, I'll burn the statue, but I'll keep the gold because, you know, the fire is going to purify it. It'll be good. Right? No, no family. The Most High said that you have to destroy everything, even the silver and gold that's on them. Nor take it unto you, lest you be snared therein, for it is an, an abomination to Yahweh, your Elohim. The Bible is saying that if you take this stuff unto yourself, you are going to be cursed also. That thing is a curse. You get yourself uh, attached to this thing. You're also going to be cursed by it. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 19 to 20, Shaul says, What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idol is anything? Is that, is that something? No, it's not anything, but it's, it's a demonic Bible says, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. The statue itself is just, a, just a, an object, but what it is connected to are unclean spirits and not to Elohim. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. Now, some of our people have been. Um, associated with the Roman Church, or perhaps you were in a Baptist uh, denomination, and maybe you've had a little metal cross or stone cross or whatever. If you were in the Catholic Church, you probably were familiar with the statues. You probably had something at home, maybe a little statuette or something in the corner. Maybe you, were, as a child, were told that this is okay. But the Bible is saying that these things is abomination unto the Most High, and spirits are also connected as practitioners of a certain faith come in contact with these statues of Mary, as you see on the screen, or so-called saints or whatnot. Uh, brothers and sisters, that in itself, when you touch these things, according to Deuteronomy, the Bible says you become also a cursed thing like the statue itself. But we're going to go a little bit further because I want to make the point of how these things can come into our lives. Because in most cases, when we think about demonic infestation or demonic possession or troubles by evil spirits, in many cases, we're thinking along the lines of, well, from the Bible perspective, we're saying, okay, it's only about a statue or something that I know when I look at it, I can see that's demonic and I shouldn't touch it. But it's much more than that, family. And you're going to find out too, it's much more than that. Idolatry is not just something made of stone only. And the doorways that the demons, because the demons attach themselves and they use that as a doorway to come in. And the doorways is not just by having some connection to gods of wood and stone but it's based on our heart. The Most High have uh, shown us that 
we as Israelites, our hearts can be a stone. And he says that he's going to make us a heart of flesh so he can write his laws, statutes, and commandments on our hearts. But if we are in a spirit of rebellion, as it says in 1 Samuel 15 and 23, it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness, stubbornness is like something that doesn't move, that it's, it's not, you can't mold it. It's already fixed in a certain way. Is as iniquity and idolatry. So he's saying that your heart being like a stone is no different from an idol. The stubborn heart is an idol. And what do the devils attach themselves to? Idols. Because you have rejected the word of Yahuwah. When you reject the word of Yahuwah, your heart is no longer like flesh. It's like stone, cold stone. The Bible says he hath also rejected you. And he's speaking in context here with King Saul from being king. But the same words that our Elohim has given or prophesied to uh, King Saul can also be applied to our lives. If we have stubborn hearts, hearts that resist the word of the Most High, is trying to penetrate the heart, and it wouldn't go in, the word won't go in, the Bible says he's going to move away, he's going to reject you. Again, he's looking at this as a cursed thing. He says, don't bring, neither shall you bring, an abomination into your house. He's graven images. The images are imprinted or inscribed with an impression of a demon. The demon's mark is on this thing. The Most High's mark is supposed to be on his people, Israel. We should be shaped and molded when when we look at ourselves, we can see his handprints. You can see his touch on our lives. We can see how he has molded us, and now he can have that relation with us. But when we've been touched by something else, <laughs> when we have been touched by something else, the imprint, the markers, everything will be changed. Now when he comes to um, deal with us, he, he sees us as something as, as a curse, and he walks away. I want to go to Wisdom of Solomon real quick. Wisdom of Solomon chapter 1. And show our people how the Ruach works in our lives. Wisdom of Solomon says, Love righteousness, you that be judges of the earth. That's supposed to be Israelites. Think of Yahuwah with a good heart. And in simplicity of heart, seek him. Don't be all complicated and knotted up inside. For he will be found of them that tempt him not. See the same stubbornness of heart? And showeth himself unto such as do not distrust him. For forward thoughts separate from Elohim, and his power when it is tried reproveth the unwise. For into a malicious soul... Hope you all can see it. For into a malicious soul, wisdom shall not enter, nor dwell in the body that is subject unto sin. So if there's some contamination in here, 
he will just move away. Okay, now there are other verses in the Bible which I won't have time to go into that says that what wisdom does, it, it will hang around for a while. It, it will work with you. Even when you make a mistake, it will give you some correction and some time to kind of like address the problem. But then if it sees that you have a stubborn spirit, like you're resisting, it will caution you, you know, warning, don't do this, don't do this, because you're going to self-destruct. After a while, wisdom will just say, okay, you know what? I can't deal with you anymore and just walk away. And then you're, you're completely exposed to all kinds of wickedness. And this is what happened to um, King Saul. The Bible continues to say, For the Holy Spirit of discipline will flee deceit and remove from thoughts that are without understanding. So if you don't understand, you resist wisdom, it will just disappear from you and will not abide when unrighteousness cometh in. See that? Now, let's go back to um, our slides here. So Shaul was rejected because he exposed himself to a level of disobedience against the word. The word kept coming back to him, get yourself right. Stop doing what you're doing. And because his heart turned to stone, it became as an idol, which Satan now can attach himself and have a lot of fun. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to examine these doorways, which is written that we can see how Satan uses these things as opportunity, disobedience as an opportunity to come right into our houses and destroy our lives. And it's not just about one individual like ourselves. We would say to ourselves, well, I, I'm serving the Most High. I don't understand why these things are happening around my house. I'm being attacked with all these spirits and this and that and the other. And that might be true. You might be doing everything in your mind that is right. But if you have different occupants of your home, they also have to be on the same page with you. Okay, they have to be on the same page. And let me show you what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Remember that the Most High said to Joshua that I'm going to be with you as I was with my servant Moses. He says, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you courage and be strong. And Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Most High. So Joshua was good. He was a straight shooter and he didn't cut any corners. Joshua 6, and we're going to read verses 15 to 20. And we're going to see what happened during the time of the migration into uh, Israel. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they arose, that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. Now this is dealing with the battle of Jericho. Verse 16, and it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for Yahweh have given you the city, and the city shall be accursed. Notice it says, the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to Yahweh. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. So the Most High made a provision because of these Hebrews who were righteous, 
They needed a place to hide. She hid them for a time. Didn't even ask the Most High, Master, I know you said to destroy this place, whatever. I need to get approval. Can we spare this house? Family didn't have to do that because the Most High was with them and they acted on the Ruach HaKodesh. Okay? And the Most High honored these men because of who they were and what they were doing, how their hearts were. So he, he spared Rahab and her family. Verses 18 says, And you, in any wise, keep yourself, you Israelites who are doing battle, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves a curse when you take of the accursed thing and make the cap of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated. Now, we read before where he said in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verses 25, he says that don't desire the silver and gold that is on them. So what does that mean? That he changed his mind? No. He never changed his mind. Those statues that were made of gold, silver, those things had to be destroyed and never touched. Okay? But if you have vessels, pots, pans, any vessels of gold or silver, jewelry, whatever, those things you can take. Vessels of iron are consecrated unto Yuwah. They shall come into the treasury of Yuwah. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Let's skip on down to verses 24 to make some points here. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of Yuwa. Verses 25, And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had, and she dwelt therein, she dwelt in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Curse be the man before Yehuah that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. <laughs> he shall lay the foundations thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it so joshua pronounced a curse even to the reconstruction of this city everything was cursed family except the things that the mosai said was allowed to be taken and purified with fire 27 so yahuwah was with joshua i want you all to see that yahuwah was with the servant Joshua, and his flame was noised throughout all the country. So we are seeing that the warning was given. If you touch these things, you're going to be cursed along with it. But do you think Hebrews listened to this? Let's find out. Let's go to chapter 7, and let's see what the book says. Because there's always a problem. I mean, demons don't just pop up from nowhere and decide, okay, I'm going to take this body unless there's a reason, okay? The demons have to do battle themselves. 
They got a fight to come in there. There are a lot of work that has to be put in to occupy a building. Okay. Joshua chapter 7. Start at verses 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the, ang the anger of Yahuwah was kindled against the children of Israel. So after the place was destroyed, you have people foraging for different things. If this is something that is acceptable with the Mosai, we're going to throw it in the back of the wagon, and it's going to go into the treasury of Israel. If the thing was a curse, we just burn it. We don't take the stuff, okay? We destroy it. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is besides um, Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and says unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai. So the men did a little reconnaissance, you know, as a military, and looked and says, Well, we don't need a whole lot of men for this fight. Let's just get about two or 3,000 people, and um, that should be sufficient to fight against Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So this country is just a few men. We can take it. We don't need a whole lot of men. We're good. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. Uh-oh. And the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and 6 men. About 30 and 6 men. For they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, uh, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So instead of the statues and idols melt, the people's heart were melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes. So the hearts of the people of Israel, the soldiers melted, they ran away. Now these were good men. These were innocent men. They did what they were supposed to do. They followed directives, and um, they got destroyed. Joshua rent his clothes and fell on uh, to the earth upon his face before Yahuwah until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Yahuwah, Elohim, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of of the Amorites to destroy us, which to Elohim we had been, we had been content and dwell on the other side of Jordan. Maybe it was best for us just to stay over here and not cross over. Oh, Yuwah, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do unto your great name? So they're going to surround us, and they will kill us. And then what will become of your great name? They'll mock you. And you all said unto Joshua, get up. Get up off the ground. <laughs> get up off the ground. Yeah, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon your face? Why are you doing this thing? Israel have sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen 
and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. So they took the thing, broke it up into small little pieces, and hide those things. So if it's a big statue, break the arms off, fit it in your backpack or whatever, break it down to size, and take it back home into your tent. Now remember, Joshua was faithful, his whole house. But one knucklehead decided to mess the whole thing up for everyone else. And what happened? You're exposed. Now you're compromised. Okay. Now the enemy is going to chase you. You're seeing a physical enemy attacking you, but you're not seeing the spiritual one like a Trojan horse. Something that's within that opens up the gates, and now the enemy can come in and destroy you. Let me read it again, 12. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy their curse from among you. He says they became accursed because they were accursed. Just by touching the thing made Israel accursed. He says, up, get up, you behind. <laughs> Just get up. Sanctified, sanctify the people. Set them apart and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith Yahweh, Elohim of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of you, O Israel. You can't not stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Let me read it again. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. That's the way it works, family. This is as simple as we can go with it. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which Yahuwah taketh shall come according to the families thereof. So we're going to break it down by families. And the family which Yahuwah shall take shall come by the household. All the, the Joseph's family, this is the tribe of Joseph. We're going to go into that family of Joseph and see whoever the, the, the name of that, um, that branch of the family is, and then we're going to take it by house. So that, that might be your brother and his family, your cousin and his family, your uncle and his family, your sister and her family, whatever, all the families, all the households. And the household which Yahuwah shall take shall come man by man. So now we're going to break it down. Each household, now we're going to deal with the head of household. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. The same way that the idol is supposed to be burnt with fire. Let me go back here. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and 25. The graven images of their gods shall you burn with fire. So now the people or the person who have become, who touched this idol, has become as a graven image. Because the Torah is no longer in your heart. You have removed the Torah from your heart. It doesn't guard you. It doesn't protect you anymore. Something else have inscribed their identity on your life and put their mark and says, that is my house, my post office box, my fingerprint is on you, everything is on you, I own you, that is my house. This is why the demon says, go back here, 
Then he saith, Matthew 12 and 44, I will return unto my house. He can claim the house because why? The mark is there. Okay. So the Bible is saying that the person who touched the thing will be cursed like it. It's an idol. You become an idol too. So now what's the, um, the reward? Bible says, the most I said, and it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he have, because he have transgressed the covenant of Yuah, and because he have wrought folly in Israel. See, we think that um, we don't infect or affect or influence or cause others to, um, to go down, but um, when we bring certain things into our homes, we bring certain recording artists into our homes, their CDs, their DVDs, their stuff, whatever it is. That stuff is already cursed. And then we have repeaters in our house, our children, can even be ourselves, repeating certain words that have been put together by satanic influences. And now those things have been spewed out into our, our homes. Most High says, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this stuff anymore. It's time for me to move on. And then our homes become compromised, and then we start having issues. Bible says in Joshua 7 and 16, it says, So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah. And he took the family of the Zarites. And he brought the family of the Zarites man by man. And Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, or Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, My son, see how he spoke to him? My son, give, I pray you, the glory to Yahweh Elohim of Israel, and make confession unto him. Let me show you the steps. You give glory to the Most High, and then you got to confess. Make the confession. And tell me now what you have done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against Yahuwah Elohim of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils of the goodly Babylonish garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels of weight, then I coveted them. So he stole. He wasn't supposed to take this. Remember the Bible says in earlier that they stole. Not only did they touch the unclean thing, but they also stole because it should have gone to the treasury. But instead he took it to himself. And took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth, in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the, onto the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver was under it. <laughs> and they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and said unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before Yahuwah. Joshua and all Israel with them took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses, his sheep, his tent, 
and all that he had. Can you imagine how long this man worked to get all this stuff? All the children that you raised, your wife, everything that you had, even your daughters. And they brought them onto the valley of Accor. Joshua said, why has you troubled us? Yehoah shall trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones. Not only did they stone him, family, and burn them with fire. After they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So Yehoah turned from the fierceness of his wrath. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Accor unto this day. The Mosai is not someone we can bargain with. We have to be very, very careful because this is how Satan finds his way into our lives. When we transgress the commandments of the Most High, it opens a doorway for Satan to come in. And I know that um, in the days that we live right now, we have to walk as if we're walking on eggshells because, or glass because everywhere we turn, there's something questionable that we have to deal with, especially now that we have children and other members of our family that uh, live with us. Uh, sometimes it makes it even more difficult, but it is necessary for us to screen our homes. We're going to go to Second Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to read 16 to 18. 16 to 18, 16 says... And what agreement have the temple of Elohim with idols? For you are the temple of the living Elohim. Now, the Most High didn't require Joshua to take things from one temple, the temple of uh, Jericho, the idols that existed in Jericho, and move those things into his temple. He didn't want our hearts to become a temple to move stuff in either. It's supposed to be set apart just for him alone. There shouldn't be any altars in our hearts to put shrines up for things that is unclean. There should only be a spot in our heart for the image of our Elohim to be on our hearts, not other gods. And Shaul is, is born from the same thing. For you are the temple of the living Elohim. As Elohim have said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, saith Yahweh, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Same thing that is said. Don't touch the unclean thing, family. And he's going to receive us. Okay? And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, Saith Yehovah Almighty. Hallelujah. Now let's look at um, Hebrews chapter 4 and 16. A little monkey wrench situation. Hebrews chapter 4 and 16. It reads this way. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Hmm. Let us take a look at this real 
close. Okay. Remember when we read the book of Joshua, it says that Israel fled like cowards. Their hearts melted. That's not being bold at all. Now, Satan understands where our power lies. He knows that if we are clean, nothing will be able to stand against us. But if we are defiled, he has all rights to attack and destroy us. He can lay claim to our lives, and he can affect us greatly. Our prayers will become an abomination if we have compromised. As a matter of fact, we're going to go to um, Proverbs 15 and 29 so we can make the point. Okay? So he says in Hebrews, let us therefore come boldly unto the, t- the throne of grace. We want to receive favor, protection um, to overcome the enemy. We need to come boldly. But there is something that can affect us. There are things that can definitely thwart us, our ability to overcome, to clog us and to um, block us where the devil can come in and destroy us. And the Bible says, and find grace to help in time of need. So we don't want when we need help from our Elohim that something is clogging the flow of things, right? If we are compromised, we cannot go before our Elohim boldly anymore. He's not going to listen to our prayers. Proverbs 15 and 29. If um, those men who came to uh, Jericho into the house of a prostitute had said to the prostitute, how much do you want for a little something, something? While you're giving us a place to hide, nobody's here to see us. How many shekels for your services? Do you know what would have happened? There would be no Israelites left. Be all destroyed. When the time comes to march around the city or to do anything, we'll be in big trouble, family. But those men kept themselves clean. Okay? They kept themselves clean. They didn't touch her. They didn't touch anything. They just says, can you please give us a little protection in the meantime? And, um, and they survived because they were faithful to our Elohim. Proverbs 15 and 29, this is what it says. Yahuwah is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. If we have compromised ourselves through dealing with evil spirits, open up to ourselves through disobedience to evil spirits, family. How can we come boldly before the Most High to fight against spirit? How can, how can Satan cast out Satan? If Satan already occupies your house, how can you cast out Satan? All he's going to do is say, hey, are you here to join a party? Welcome. Because he sees a vessel that's occupied with his friends. All you are is just a big old moving van or something, a U-Haul, moving demons closer uh, into the house of Satan. Uh, so if we are compromised, our prayers will also be affected. So now we can't, we can't be effective at all in fighting against evil spirits. Let's look at Jeremiah 11 and 14. Therefore pray not you for this people. Not a lift up a cry or prayer for them, 
for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. Why? Because the people were burning incense to Baal. They're already into idolatry. They already have some connections to the opposite side. And our Elohim already turned away. And even if you send someone to pray on the behalf of the people, he's saying, listen, don't, don't even waste my time with prayers. I'm not going to hear it. You, you are a righteous man, and you're trying to pray um, to spare the life of these wicked people. And we're not talking about people who have done something, and then they said, you know, we have acknowledged our sin. We'll repent. We're talking about Hebrews who simply just continue to do the same thing over and over and over and hoping that the prophet of the Most High, like Samuel, will come and make deals with the Most High on your behalf. It doesn't work like that. Book of Mark 9, verses 28 to 29 says, And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. Once again, we read this before, but we'll read it again. Why could not we cast him out? How come we couldn't throw out these spirits? He says, this kind can come forth by nothing. You can't remove these types of spirit unless you have the prayer and the fasting. So the enemy knows that prayer and fasting combined can get rid of a strong enemy. How can we stop? the effectiveness of this disciple, this Hebrew, from fighting against us, from destroying us? How can we stop it? Why not we do a few things here, make them compromise themselves? So when they go before the Most High to pray to be effective, they're going to lose. They're fasting and they're praying, but their lives are not right. They're still making these little compromises. So if their lives are not right, the demons is going to say, okay, this is all we need. We don't, want, we don't have to destroy the person completely, but we can just put a stumbling block in a way, and that will be sufficient enough for us to um, uh, make Elohim turn away from them so the prayers will not be heard. So now we can't win. We can't win, family. We can't win because we have all these different things in our lives that are causing compromises. Certain people that we hang out with, certain things that we eat, certain you know, there's a lot of little things that is written in the Torah that doesn't have to be repeated. The Most High don't, don't have to send an angel down to you and say, Son, this is what you need to do. You don't need to do that. It's already written for us. Everything has been laid out for us already. Now, this is what we need to do. And we're going to go into some things that is important to close these doorways. We must close all open doors so we can block the access, those spirits from having access in our space. First thing that we have to do is make confession. If you notice what Joshua did, in this case, there was no forgiveness of sins with Achan and so forth. Too much life was already lost, a life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and so forth. There was no, well, I'm going to forgive you, go back to your tent. Um, you, you're going to have to uh, fast and pray for a while and, and repent and whatnot, and, and then you'll come back into the camp or whatever. You're going to be outcast like, like a leper. That, that wasn't happening for Achan because life was already lost. I mean, this, the same day it was told, when you go and do battle, this is what you need to do. 
whatever monies that you find, that's going to go into the wagon, and the priest will take it back to the treasure um, house. Everything else, the idols, whatever it is, the, the garments, burn everything, kill the children, kill the women, kill everything. Um, and he didn't do this thing. He, he did part of what was necessary, and he took the other stuff, and this is what happened. So there was no forgiveness, okay? And even though Achan made the confession, like I said, there was no forgiveness. He confessed, and he was destroyed. Him, his wife, his children, everything was gone, family. First John chapter 1 and verses 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, we got to go before him and says, I did it. I'm sorry. I've done this thing that was wrong. And the Most High will, will forgive us, and he will, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But Matthew 12 and 37 says, For by your words, you confess with your lips, right? Your words, you shall be justified. Now, if your heart doesn't match your words, and by your words, you shall be condemned. If you're making excuses, if you're working around and well, you know, forgive this, but this hair, you know. <laughs> I know how human nature is because all of us, every last one of us is in the same boat. We try to justify ourselves before the Most High by saying, this is just a little, like, um, what's his name, Lot. The angel said to Lot, go into the mountain. I'm going to take you over here to the mountain. Climb up to the mountain. Don't look back. I'm going to destroy everything over here. Then Lot started to make this compromise. But what about, you know, if I go up into the place, into the mountain, I'll be alone. Um, there's another city, just a small little city. It's not a big city. Not a big city. Start making these deals. I'll be good over here. The angel says, okay, okay, okay. We'll spare this little city. You go into that little city. And guess what? Lot still had to leave the little city and go back into the mountains. <laughs> he lost his wife. It got so bad that he even lost himself because his daughters, this is how we have to look at things, family. When you make these compromises, first you make a deal. You move into um, an, area that, an area that you feel is is workable, the Most High will allow you to go down that route. He's not with it. Remember, the Most High didn't tell Lot to go into a small city. He says to go into the mountains. But Lot started to make these little deals and stuff. And he will allow, sometimes he would allow you to go down a certain road only so you would see your own destruction. If you notice with the story of Lot, Lot never showed his face to his uncle Abraham. He never did. He spent the rest of his life in shame and regret. So he made that compromise, went to that little motel in that city. From there, he left, and his wife turned to a pillow of salt. When he got up into 
the mountain, his daughter started to make these compromises. Not even just one of them, but both of them had this incestual relationship with the father. And from there, everything just went downhill. So we can't make these little compromises because when we start making excuses, from there it's going to cause your family to fall apart. The Mosai said, don't do it. And he says, well, she pleased me. He pleased me. That thing pleased me. I can manage this thing. I can pray over it. It's not going to be a problem. I can control it. We always feel that we have control in our power, but no, family. We have to close our doors to all wickedness. Now, we have to clean our houses also. And the way that we clean our houses is through the word of the Most High. Put our feet down and usurp authority. You have to rule your house well. You have to rule your house well. So we have to first look at our homes. And we have to put a stop to certain things within our house houses. We have to put our feet down, cleanse our homes. If we have any unrighteous Hebrews living in the same house, we have to uh, put those Hebrews in check. As we just read before in the book of Joshua, we also have to do a diligent search. You see, Joshua didn't just deal with the man Achan alone, as the Bible said. He had to search out, and we'll go back to chapter 7. He had to look for the thing that was bringing the problem in the house amongst Israelites. The object. See, the objects have a connection to the evil, evil spirit. Joshua could have destroyed the object and leave the man, but the man was already infested. Joshua could have killed the man and leave the object, but he, he had to take those steps. At that particular time, the demons already had control. The guy already claimed this thing under the banner of unrighteousness. Now remember, what Achan hid under his, um, let me go right to it, in his tent, was shekels and stuff. Remember that the Most High allowed the shekels to be brought into, let me find it here. Here it is. 200 shekels of silver, 50 shekels of weight, uh, in weight of gold. Remember that the Most High allowed the shekels of gold and silver to be brought into the treasury. But when you lay claim of something and you steal it, Satan is the one in your ear. The things that you take in your hand is now being claimed under the banner of the house of Satan. Not the house of the Most High, but you become the servant of the devil and you're acting on the behalf of the devil. You become a steward of Satan. Mosai is not going to touch that anymore. He backs off of that. So all of that stuff has to be destroyed. The man has to be destroyed and such like and so forth, family. So we got to keep that in mind. Remove the objects who serve as conduits to unclean spirits. It can be music, and I put an example with Prince. You know, Prince, the artist Prince, who a lot of people love his songs and whatnot, but he have all these strange symbols. You have this band called Earth, Wind, and Fire with all kind of um, demonic 
stuff. And the songs, the lyrics that these men write, most of the times they're writing stuff because a spirit, remember the Bible says, holy men of God, they wrote as they were moved by the spirit of the Most High, the Ruach HaKodesh. If that be true, for the men of Elohim, couldn't you say the same thing could be true for the unrighteous, that they can also be moved by, un, by an unclean spirit? Yes. Okay. Unclean spirit can give information to people, and they will start writing these things down, and all of a sudden the song is a, a success. So you may have an album in your house, a CD or something, and the pictures of that thing is in your house, demons is already connected to that project. Even before you buy it, there are spirits that attach themselves to these things. And when you bring it into your house, the demon is <laughs> with a little satchel bag just come on, on in, in, in an invisible form, just walk by you. Because you open a door for them, they just walk right in and just... <laughs> Uh, yes, Akotinisi, uh, entertainment. That's right, the enter. And the, uh, I would say entertainment because they enter, they stain uh, you, you know. They stain you. So that's what they do, family. That's what they do. And um, let's move ahead. Let's move ahead. I think we're going to have to come back and visit these things again. The book of John, 1 John 5 and 18 says, we know whosoever is born of Elohim sinneth not. Because you're not going to break the commandments. You said you're born again. You pick up the mantle of a servant of the Most High, and the Torah is in your heart. It says, but he that is begotten of Elohim keepeth himself. The Bible says that the spirits are subject to the person, not the other way around. You have to have control. The Bible even says in the book of Genesis that Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7, you know, we have to control the spirits. We can't be controlled by the spirits. We have to force them in subjection. We can't let them force us into um, on the knees that we should um, bow to the spirits and become servants of the spirits. Genesis 4 and um, verses 6 from there, let's read. And Yuhua said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? Why are you so upset? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you doeth not well, sin life at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. <laughs> You're supposed to control these things, but no, it's controlling you. It has control over your life. And eventually, that spirit rose up into Cain, and he slew his brother. Well, the spirit that rose up into Achan caused his brethren to be slain also because of what they got themselves involved in. It says, let me read John again, 1 John 5 and 18. It says, you know, we know that whosoever is born of Elohim sinneth not, but he that is begotten of Elohim keepeth himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. In other words, you are not a conduit to unclean spirits. It cannot touch you. That wicked one cannot 
touch you. You are immune. It cannot mess with you. It sees you and it goes the other direction. But if there is something in your life, that means there is a compromise. There's a compromise. You know, when we have insects running through our homes, whether it's a cockroach or ants or some creature, we realize that there's something that has been compromised and these creatures are finding its way into our home. What do you do? You have to do a diligent search. You got to go through your house and say, well, maybe the seal of the door, the window has been cracked. Maybe someone left the door open. It must be a window open. Something had to be open to allow those other things to come in. Whether it's a tiny crack or a wide open door, something is going to find its way in. And if you can't find this thing and you just find it, it, it building up, more roaches are multiplying, more ants is taking over your home, chicken leg is going tuk, 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 through the door, <laughs> your fridge is all of a sudden just opening up, and things have been shuffled around, and creatures are taking the stuff out, boom, 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 like the cartoons. And you say, uh-uh, that's enough. So now what do you do? You go find an expert to exterminate. In the world of the Catholic Church, we call it an exorcist. You call the exorcist to come in to exterminate the, de- the, the evil spirit, <laughs> the cockroach, from, um, from de- doing damage. Okay? Because as long as the cockroach mess around in your house, it will cause sickness in you, and you're going to be foaming at the mouth. So the wicked one has access. If we have caused compromise, the wicked one will have access to us. It's very simple. How can the wicked one touch us if we sin? What is sin? The transgression of the Most High's commandments. It's very, very simple. Okay? Let's move on, family. Let's move on. Keeping the Torah barricades or prevents spirits from breaking into our lives. Spirits can attach themselves to you through almost anything. Anyone who abrogates the Torah, the spirit can attach themselves, whether it is flesh or blood or not. Okay? Let's look at some examples. I'm just going to run through this quick because we're going to come back to some of these things again and look at some better examples. Okay? So objects like candles, you know, sometimes we have, we buy candles and those candles have all kind of Santa Maria and San Jose and, or if you are Catholic, it has whatever titles is on that thing. You may have a little statue or you may have a cross or you may have a hexagram. You say, well, I'm, I'm Judah, I'm, I'm a Hebrew and this is a, a Jewish or Hebrew thing, the hexagram. No, these are objects where demons find themselves. As a matter of fact, let me tell you all a little secret. Maybe you don't even know this. In witchcraft, the hexagram is the most powerful of objects. It is more powerful than the pentagram. You may have one of those. That's an object are a doorway for evil spirits. Sports also. And I will share with you all what I'm talking about. There's an article that, that goes into Tom Brady and this, um, this whole goat stuff. 
And family, if you see what has been endorsed, it is Baphomet. Okay, I, I don't have the article. I'll have to pull it up. Let me see. They call him the goat and whatnot. But I'll, I'll find an article for you another time, and I'll share it with you. I should have pulled it up before. But what I'm trying to say, family, in, in try to bring it with clarity, there are many things that is in witchcraft that has found its way into even into the sports world that causes compromise to our people. You may not know really what's happening, but there's a lot of compromise. This is why one of the ways that Israel got compromised during the time of the Maccabees was the first thing that they did was they got the priests to join with them. And once the priests joined with them, the protection of Israel was gone. If the keepers, if the, the ones who carry the swords to guard Israel from spiritual wickedness, that's what the priests are there for not just the physical, but the spiritual, once that's gone, it's over. And um, the gymnasium was the place that initiated many of the priests into the other side, the dark side of things. If you look into a lot of Hebrew Israelites today who are still bent on sports, listen to their language. Their mouths are very foul and still filled with profanity. A lot of them profess to be teachers of Torah, and they have one of the most foulest mouths ever. And they will tell you that rude in speech, it'll quote rude in speech and um, hard, hard speech or whatever they will quote. But family, you can't, a vessel is not supposed to bring forth both bitter and sweet at the same time. You wouldn't find Yeshua as a teacher on the street using foul language, going to sports or whatever it is. You wouldn't see him sitting down at the games and then using foul language and then taking up the Torah and so forth. You wouldn't see that family. You wouldn't see it. But anyway, there's much to be said about that. That's another topic. But yes, uh, Tom Brady has endorsed certain things. And when you look at it, it's Baphomet in a subtle way. And um, people are still embracing that. Let's deal with the flesh side. How can spirits attach themselves to the flesh. Do you know there are people who dabbling into uh, certain things, maybe they go get hand readings or whatever it is, reading of the palms, and a spirit would attach themselves to that. A spirit would attach themselves to a tattoo, and that will be a doorway into your life. Um, here, hair products. We talked about it before. There are people who put on weaves and or human hair, and those hairs itself are cut, hair cut from people who have sacrificed their hair, their hairs to the gods that they believe in. And the reasons why those women sacrifice, especially in India, the reasons why they sacrifice their human hair to these gods is because they want prosperity. They have a curse on them. When they have, when they um, notice that they have a curse on them, they go to the temple, they pray a certain prayer, they put their offerings, and they're asking this curse to be removed from them. And part of that um, sacrifice is to remove the hair from me and offer it unto the gods. So as an exchange 
The curse goes onto that hair. That hair is packaged together. It's uh, taken to a room with different hairs, and it's actually mixed with a whole multitude of different hairs. It's not, it's not like you take one set of hair and it's, it's mixed. Sometimes you get clumps of one, the original head of, uh, of that person. Remember, the people in India, they, they don't know better. Um, they serve multiple gods. And India have a god, more gods than, than a day for the year. There are thousands of gods that the people worship. Okay, this is why sometimes these babies are born and they got 10 arms and babies are born with um, all kinds of strange heads and whatnot because the people are into deep demons. The spirits are attached to the hair, sent to a processing uh, plant. It's dyed, it's cut, it's trimmed, it's packaged, shipped overseas to different places. And it's not just Israelite women that use these things. Gentile women use these uh, human hair, actresses and different people who don't want to spend time combing their hair or whatever it is. They just throw on a wig and they're good to go. The spirit that has made a bargain with that person to give them prosperity or to remove whatever curse, that spirit is following their token. They're following their offering. And guess what? It attaches themselves to that individual. And now you're battling with these spirits and you don't know what's going on. Okay? You're battling with spirits and you don't know. Genitals. If you are having illegal intercourse, if you're having illegal intercourse, meaning you're not in contract according to the Mosai's laws, statutes, and commandments, anytime you abrogate or break the Mosai's commandments, meaning that you are outside of the law, you're an outlaw. The law states that you have to have a contract with a woman that is um, not another man's wife. Satan now has rights in your life, and he attaches himself to those parts of your body. I was looking at some research many years ago. It showed how demons come in through people sexually and how they go into that nervous system and to the mind and whatnot. And it showed you a diagram of how the demons work, how they move and stuff like that. And sex is also, <laughs> we'll have to go into that again, but sex is definitely a place where Satan can attach himself. I'll just leave it at that. And such like and such like. So we have to um, close all the doors that open up where spirits can come in. Sometimes a man will have demons, legions, because he has been around with so many other unclean women. A woman can also have legions because she's been around with so many, and you're just moving, just building up a party of, you know, the U-Haul truck is moving, bringing more and more evil spirits um, around. But let's move on. Let's move on. That's a class in itself. 1 Samuel 16, let's look at 1 Samuel 16, verses 1. This is how we can help to deal with some of these spirits, and then we're going to go a little bit more further into it, but we'll cover what happened to King Saul so you can see and also avoid yourself from being attacked the way he was attacked. 1 Samuel 16, and verses 1. And you are said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, Shaul, 
seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. I have provided me. I'm done with Saul because I've been going back and forth with Saul, 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 get yourself together. Saul, and Saul just keep using his position and keep using and abusing my good um, graces all the time. So now you're before me crying. This is why we read uh, Jeremiah where, where the Most High said, don't even waste your time coming before me to pray for these people. I'm not going to hear what you got to say because I'm not listening to these people anymore. I've rejected those people. And he's saying the same thing about Saul. Why are you crying, mourning for Saul? He's, he's done. Let's go down to verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, anointing David. And the spirit of Yahweh came upon Dawid from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the spirit of Yahweh departed from Saul. Hmm. Look at the exchange. I'm going to keep Saul as king. And as the Ruach is coming upon David, it has also been removed at the same time from Saul because of disobedience. The Bible says, and an evil spirit from Yahuwah troubled him. Now that might open up some questions. Well, does, does that mean that some may say, well, Satan is working on behalf of, of the Most High? The most, and then some will say, well, the, um, the Most High allow these evil spirits the rights to go forth and do this and that. However you look at it, the results is the same. The spirits was troubling Shaul that he didn't get any rest whatsoever. Verse 15, And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from Elohim troubleth you. Let our Lord now command your servants, which are before you. Here we are before you. Give us the, um, the authority to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from Elohim is upon you that he shall play with his hand and you shall be well. Now, do we have any place in the scriptures that tells us that this is a, a recommendation or a requirement to drive away evil spirits? The Torah doesn't give us all the details but we do have songs that were sung um, during the time of Moses. And remember the priests went before with the ark and they sang and they destroyed. The shofar was used to destroy or to subdue Jericho. And you have instruments that were used in times of warfare. So these men knew. You don't have all the details, but the men knew that there's a process. Something can be utilized to remove spirits. At the same time, vessels can be used to put spirits into people. Vessels can also be used to take spirits out. Okay? So they knew. Verse 17. 
And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. And answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing. He's skillful. He can play real well. And a mighty violent, valiant man, and a man of war, and, a, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and Yehoah is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David your son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them to, to, by David his son unto Saul. Now you see that David did not come empty-handed. It was always part of Israel to present themselves in proper hospitality. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer, his shield. The one who carries the shield, interesting enough, why do you think um, put on the whole armor of Elohim? Put on the whole armor of Elohim. His word is a shield unto us. You look at the scriptures and see what it says. The, you read the Psalms, you see what it says. Okay? So David himself physically was a shield, but the music that he played was also a covering. And Saul sent to David, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from Elohim was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed, because he was fighting, he was constantly battling, he's going through these mental anguishes and stuff. And was well. And the evil spirit departed from him. Family, the Psalms is very important. Don't be singing all them church songs sometimes because history has proven a lot of the people who write these church songs themselves are dabbling in evil spirits. Remember I said, the same way these musicians can put spirits into your houses, because they are receiving instructions from the dark side, the other side. The same way a lot of people in Christianity who are not keeping the Mosai's commandments, remember, that's the key word. Satan has reigns or has access when you don't keep the commandments. So you have these men in the Catholic Church or Baptist Church writing these songs. They don't they eat pork. They worship these idols. They do all these things, and they're writing songs. Um rugged cross da, 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 da. and you're you're singing the song you cherishing the old rugged cross da, and you're singing the song and you're hoping that this is gonna keep you <laughs> and the most says what 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 are you talking about old rugged cross <laughs> we sing the psalms the Psalms do not contradict the Most High's way at all, okay? 1 Samuel 18, let's go there real quick. And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. Saul had an evil spirit in him, and now he was watching David. That spirit was giving him messages, kill David, kill David. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from Elohim came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. Oh, wait a minute. 
Saul prophesied, and he had an evil spirit on him. Hmm. Family, the Bible tells us and warns us that we have to be careful with who lays hands on us. Your average pastor may not be proper. He may be prophesying, but he may have an evil spirit upon him, and he will prophesy in the midst of the house. But he's not right. And David played with his hand as at the other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. <laughs> and Saul cast the javelin, so the music was not working anymore. After a while, that fuse has been burnt out. For he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. I will pin him to the wall with his javelin. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Let's go to chapter 19, verse 8 to 10. There come a time when, this, when the fuse has gone. The light has burnt out. And uh, there's nothing left but just a skeleton. Uh, 8 to verses 10. When the Mosai has warned us over and over and over, and we're not listening, we're just a shell. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul, as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. And he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall. So when David got away, the javelin missed David and went into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. So family, you can see when we turn our backs from the Most High, after a while, the Psalms, you can anoint yourself with a barrel of oil and you can do everything. You can call for the physician. It's not going to work because according to wisdom of Solomon, wisdom will not stick around when you start messing up. It will leave. It will warn you for a while, but then it's going to leave. Okay. Let me um, read a few more to give us some some um, advice, okay? So again, we'll go back through this thing in detail, give you all some strength. But for now, we're just going to share with you all some things, let you know that when we're dealing with spirits in your homes, this it's a reason. It's a reason why the spirits are there. It can be someone is allowing access. You are probably just asleep. And while you're asleep, someone is opening the doors. You might be doing all that you can in righteousness. Checking all the doors. But while you're asleep, someone is opening the doors and spirits are walking in. So you got to check to see what's going on. Or you may have something in your home that is causing the spirits to come in. It's like a beacon. Okay, when they see that beacon, they're going to come right to it. Okay. Sometimes there's certain things that we watch in our homes and spirits just come right through the TV into your houses. Let's go to... Let's see what I want to go. Okay, let's go to Romans eleven twenty six to 27. The living word delivers. Romans eleven twenty six and 27 says, And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Yaakov. For this is my covenant with them, when I shall take away their sins. It is the role of our Messiah 
to heal us because the first thing that he did when he was um, appointed to teach, he started the process of healing. That's what he wants to do for us. But we have to allow him to do it. We can't be, well, Messiah, I got my two sons here. They don't want to listen to me, but, and I don't want to really, I'm their mother, I love them. I, and you start reasoning. I birthed these children, two big hardback men who no longer listens to you in your house, <laughs> pretty much running everything in the house, eating up all the cereal in your house. They don't want to do anything to help you. They don't even want to at least, um, um, instead of fighting against you, at least, you know what, I'm not going to give my mother any grief. Um, they're still in the house. They're just doing whatever they want to do. You're trying to keep the Torah, but in your mind, you're not seeing two big, hardback men. You're seeing two little babies in swaddling clothing looking up, looking up at you with a finger in the mouth. Mama! And in your heart, you're saying, I could never put these big men out. That's my babies. Where are they going to go? And so you're having this discussion with, um, <laughs> with Yeshua, and Yeshua is saying, listen, I'm here to rescue you. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. But, but what about the babies? My baby's here. He says, if you want to deal with the babies, then I'm sorry, but this is a one-way ticket. You got you to gotta put away those sins because those children are causing your downfall. Ephesians 6 and 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of Elohim, that you may be able to stand the whole armor is his word. Everything that he says. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How if you the blows are being given to you, boom, boom, boom. And you don't you don't eat properly, you don't have the right substance in your body, you haven't exercised the Torah in your life. No exercising of Torah. You're not, you're not going to be able to stand when Satan comes at you. The Bible says, and having done all, and that's the key, all, having done all. Have you done everything? Did you put on the thing around your, um, your feet, the shin? Did you protect, put on a helmet? So you have to check you know, yourself out and make sure that you're able to, to stand when the time comes. But if not, you'll be out, family. Let's go to Genesis chapter 32. And we'll look at an example of a man who, when he, once he came into the ring, he fought with all that he had. Genesis 32, 24, let's see what it says. If you want to get the blessing, this is what you got to do. Jacob, it says, and Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. When the angel saw that this man is not giving up, I'm going to dislocate his joint. And the hollow of J Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he, as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. See, the light is going to expose him. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said unto him, what is your name? And he says, Yaakov. And he said, your name shall be called no more Yaakov, but Israel. For as a prince 
have you power with Elohim and with men and have prevailed. See what you've got to do, family. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray you, your name. I gave you mine. I need to know yours now. He said, wherefore is it that you do ask me after my name? Well, why do you want to know my name for? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen Elohim face to face. I've seen the power face to face, and my life is preserved. There's a big difference. Let me show you Acts 19 now, family. Jacob was able to stand because he, he was in righteousness. It didn't matter what was happening to him. He was in a lot of pain, but he says, I'm going to hang in there, and I'm going to fight. Acts 19, we'll pick it up at 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them. See, took upon them. They had no power themselves. No righteousness was in them. Took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of Yeshua, saying, we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preached. We don't know him personally. We have no connection to him. We've never been to his school. No learning behind us, nothing. But we've seen these guys do this thing. We're going to do these words too. See, that's the problem with a lot of our people. We see monkey see, monkey do. We see this. We see it work. We say, we're going to do it too. You haven't checked yourself. You haven't learned anything. You don't know anything, but you want to go out and exercise exercise exorcism verses 14 and there were seven sons of one skiva a jew and chief of priests of the priests which did so and the evil spirit answered and says jesus yeshua i know i know yeshua i'm afraid of him and shaul yeshua's servant you know i'm afraid of them but who who are you guys who are you <laughs> And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. Remember we read Genesis 32 where it says you have fought and you have prevailed. Okay. Well, in this case, these men fought and they didn't prevail. But the demons prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. You see, family, if we don't keep the Most High's commandments and if we make these compromises, we will never be able to overcome evil spirits. And if we have people praying over us who they themselves have no connection to Yeshua HaMashiach directly or one of the students of Yeshua HaMashiach, have some types of connection, some kind of a flow of power coming through, that person is going to bring danger to your life. I want you all to listen carefully. They're going to bring danger to your life. But there's hope. There's hope. Let's get Matthew 12 and 29. If Satan, verse 26, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, to whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of Elohim, 
then the kingdom of Elohim is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and steal or spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? You have to bind him, and then he will spoil his house. So let's ask that question. How do you bind a strong man? How do you bind a strong man? Anyone? How do you bind someone? How was Samson bound? Wrapped in ropes. How was his eyes put out? How was Samson the strong was bound? Anyone? Do you all know family? Compromise. Very, very simple. When you know the scriptures, you're not supposed to mess. His, family, his mother says, don't you want to take one of these women? He says, well, get the one that pleased me. Most High allows Samson to go that route because, he, you know, Samson was already chasing after skirts in a certain way. And he allowed him to just use that to, um, to destroy, use the destruction of Samson to destroy the other people. It, it's almost like um, Samson was a su on a suicide mission. He's, he's never going to give up chasing the, the foreign women. So let's strap on this dynamite on him, and he's going to go <laughs> blow up the Philistines. He's not supposed to cut his hair. He's not supposed to be uh, eating grapes and messing around with certain. And all the things he's not supposed to do, he went ahead and do it. He was bound. He wouldn't listen. And this is how we are compromised, family, when we... Um, Bind ourselves by breaking the Most High's commandments. But let's go and look at some hopeful words, okay? Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verses uh, 3 to verses 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of Elohim. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. These are former demonic infest, infested women. One of them was called Mary Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. That's hopeful. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. That's hope, family. You see, when you start to confess and you give up making excuses, the Mosai will be able to deal with you and to restore you back to health again. If you're dealing with wicked spirits that are on you, messing around your home, go through your home and do a, uh, a diligent search. And you're going to find things out in there. And the Most High is going to give you an opportunity to remedy your house. But if you say, well, I like this thing too much. I can't get rid of it. It can be an object, a CD. It can be a friend. It can be a, a, an offspring of, you, of yours. It can be any, anything that has some kind of a value that, that you value within your heart that it compromises righteousness, compromises your relationship with the Most High. 
you have to get rid of that. If you don't get rid of it, the demons is going to make full reign in your house. The book of Zechariah, chapter 13, verses 1 to 2, give us a promise. While we are doing battle in this world, because we're exposed to all kinds of um, satanic influences and stuff, we have this hope and this promise. Zechariah 13, verses 1 to 2 says, In that day, there shall be, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. Remember during the time of Yeshua that there was a pool of Salom, or there was a, a place where the angel came and troubled this water, stirred it up, put life, the Ruach put life into this this pool there was an underground stream of water that used to come up into that temple and so they just pulled it up but an angel at certain times would come in and whoever can come into this water would be healed of whatever type of sickness disease whatever it is that they had once you touch this lazarus water or this uh, fountain of youth water <laughs> um you just came out like well, power, okay? Um, and so we always had this yearning for the fountain to be open to heal our people from all the different infirmities. The Bible says in verses 2, And it shall come to pass, that's in the future, in that day, saith Yahuwah of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. Now, why is he going to do that? Because as long as those idols are around, the demons will have something to attach themselves to. This is why when we read the book of Enoch, it says, and even uh, Genesis, it says how these, these demons attach themselves to bodies. Children that came forth also had demonic spirits upon them. Everything is, there's a, a spiritual connection to everything in this universe. And the Most High had to use the, the flood, the water, to make a separation from that old world and create a new world. So the water was very important to transition one, uh, one to the other. He says, um, the, those aisles will be cut off, no more remembered, and also I will cause the prophets and unclean spirit to pass out of the land. He's going to destroy every avenue that's going to cause, that causes and will cause trouble because this will be a new beginning for the house of Israel. And he's not going to allow um, compromises like Achan, bringing stuff into the tent with the hopes when I get to Israel, when I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to have all this um, gold. I'm going to be set up good. And the Mosai is not playing like that, family. He's not going to allow us because there are certain rules that if he steps away from the rules, the spirits can, can come in, okay? So with that said, we will come back and, and address this issue in more detail because some of the things that I mentioned needs to be talked about or looked into because... Um, we need to have a better understanding of how spirits come into our lives and what we need to do 
uh, to get rid of it. But the first and most important thing, fast and pray, but you have to keep the commandments. You can't fast and pray and then make compromises with the Torah. You can't do that. It's not going to work. Okay? Satan is going to look at you and says, you don't have any power. You're just an empty vessel. Okay? When you do that, family, you have to also take a stand, okay? You have to examine and see, well, this thing needs to be removed. Now, let me go to the scripture because I want to share with you all something of important. 1 Kings 17, 2 and 6. Remember the prophet Elijah had to do battle? This prophet was involved with all kinds of warfare. And one of the things that he had to do was to fight against the men of Baal. And he slew them also. 1 Kings 17, we'll read verses 2 to verses 6. Elijah himself, there was a time that he had to run. He was on a run. But he had to be strengthened by our king. It says, uh, 17 and 2, And the word of Yahuwah came unto him, which is Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook of Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that you uh, shall have drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, and he did according to the word of Yahuwah, for he went and dwells by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread. And what did he bring him? Not just bread, and flesh in the morning. Bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. You all see this? The reason I'm sharing this with you is because one of the other doorways that is in the world out there is being a vegan. Some of you all may not know this, but one of the reasons why India is so filled with demons is because the majority of them are dealing with vegan diet. Because of their diet itself, let me put it this way, because of their diet, it puts them in a state where demons can have access to them. When we are battling against evil spirits, and please, if you don't believe what I'm saying, ask yourself this question. Why do the Most High say to the priests who offer sacrifices daily for the behalf of Israel that they must, not might, or, or one time or whatever, they must partake of the meat that is put on the sacrifice. Not just them alone, family. Go do your research. Go read Leviticus, and you'll see the priest, and they bring a plate home to their family. And their wives, their children also have to eat of the meat that is on the altar. Why? Because on a spiritual level, after um, we were kicked out of Eden, the Most High allowed us to eat meat because we're dealing with spirits on another level. And meat was something important for our diet. It wasn't like we had to eat meat every single day. The priest did, but for us, meat was something important. The opposite side of that is in the East, you find a lot of those people who 
are dealing with um, New Age and whatever the case may be, yoga, the New Age movement, all of those people, vegan diet, no meat whatsoever, no meat, okay? But if you look at this, you can see where Elijah himself had to be armed up. Let me take one more, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5. 1 Timothy. So you have Israelites coming out of captivity, and now they had to be armed up for the march. What does the Mosai um, give them to, uh, to eat meat? 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, where are we today? The last days. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience or their minds seared with a hot iron, all kinds of philosophies, right? They're going to forbid to marry, okay? Commanded to abstain from meats, meats, which Elohim have, have created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You see, this is not there for, for us just to read. It's there because it's a working testimony. It's a functional thing for us. The priests were the safeguarders of Israel. They had to eat or have a diet of meat on a regular basis. They had to stand in the gap for Israelites. When the Messiah returns and he sets up his kingdom again and he has the priesthood set up, meat has to be eaten. The priest has to bring a plate home for the family and they got to feed on that too. The prophet Elijah running, it wasn't just lentils and, and, and bread made from beans and stuff like that. <laughs> the Mosai says, you're going to eat meat because you're dealing with some spiritual warfare and you need to be strong for this thing. Okay? So this is just a little taste of it, family. I want you all to start to see that we got to go and clean things up and we got to change a lot of our mindset. You're going to have Hebrews saying, well, I don't want to deal with meat, blah, 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 and all kind of excuses. Well, that's up to you. That's up to you. You have to work out your own salvation with um, trembling, okay? All right. Uh, anyone would like to chime in real quick? Give you all a few minutes, and then we're going to say shalom. Shalom, Sister Vida. You can unmute your microphone. There you go. Shalom. Okay. Hi, shalom. How are you? Good. How are you guys? <laughs> Doing well. Uh, good. I wanted to ask, I have Bible study with a lady friend of mine. I live alone. I'm, I'm single, and I do the Torah and the commandments. But um, at her home, it's a lot of havoc going on. It's a lot of sin. Is that, I mean, when she comes over, can that bring spirit? I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, yes, sis, she can be a conduit that will allow spirits to come in, and the spirits will come in and do a diligent search in your home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep, um, because what happens is that her house is out of order. 
That means that she's out of order. If she's out of order, her house is out of order. Is she single? She's a single mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you can talk to her and let her know what, what's going on. Maybe she's not aware of it. Okay, because okay. I am going through spiritual warfare at, at this time. It just started. I mean, well, it's been for three or four months now. So you're going through spiritual warfare. I'm, I'm, yes. <laughs> Real bad. And you have noticed this since she has been going through issues at her home or? When, you, when we were having class, I, I'm, I'm looking back to see when it started mm. at this time. But it, it is real bad. <laughs> see, the problem is, sis, you don't know what she does in her own home. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what she's bringing to your home. That's the problem. Okay. Okay. So if you want to get rid of the spiritual attacks, you'll have to um, uh, subdue the spirits by uh, giving her the word of the Most High. Okay. Okay, anoint your house, okay, also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and, and you say get the things out of your house. Um, like I'm, I moved the stuff in the garage <laughs> at this time. I'm, I'm going to get rid of them. Should I really hurry up and get rid of it? Well, I, I, had don't know what you have, I don't know what you have in your garage, but... Oh, I had some, you know, albums, you know, CDs yeah. and crosses. And, well, when you were talking, I had jewelry, cross. I had, you know, I had found some stuff already, and mm-hmm. I put it in the garage. Yeah, well, that's what you need to do. Go through your house and remove all those things and get rid of them. Okay. Don't, don't even try to sell them. Just get rid of them. Okay. Next time when we, we, we talk about the subject, we will share how um, in the book of Acts, they burnt all these things and got rid of these things. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. 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 Thank you. All right, sis. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's take Brother Felix. What's on your mind, Brother Felix? Shalom, Israel. Good night. Shalom, Brother Felix. Very, very interesting lesson tonight. And um, uh, no matter how you try to explain some of those things, um, there are some of us who are not going to accept it because we have not seen it. Um, There's so much to say, but uh, it's very late, so I'm not going to say too much. But we must remember... I mean, you touch a lot of points that, like you said, we need to take some time and uh, chew them, take some time and get the substance out of it. Um, The Word has given us a choice. I mean, all through our Bibles, it tells us choose life. If you refuse to choose life, automatically you're choosing death. Now, some of us, when we choose death and uh, we are in a corner, we are saying, well, why is it that the father is dealing so hard with me? I do not understand. I go to church every week. I do this, I do that, but yet still I'm suffering. But again, it says choose life, but we said, no, life is too hard. Why do I need to just do this and be here and uh, keep the fees? And that's too hard. So therefore, we choose death. And when death has crept upon us, We are crying, why is it so hard upon me? Well, that's what you chose. 
I guess we can talk about that a little again sometime. I just want to point out two things and then I'm going to quit because, again, uh, the time, and I don't know if there's anybody else that may want to say something. Let me just take a look at our children. Many, many, many of us are suffering with our children. My children, there's a cry all around the world. In the U.S., in the Virgin Islands, in Puerto Rico, everywhere there is a cry. My children, my children. Oh, my children. Sad to say, the cry is all our fault. Not all the time, but most of the time, the cry is the parents' fault. Let me give you one example. We have a piece of electronics that's called the television. Now it has gotten so bad, we have it on our phones, we have it on our watches, we have it on the pads, and we have it on speakers. I mean, we have it in the cars, we have it. Anywhere you look, we have it there. And some of us has given this instrument to our children so that we don't have to look after them. We give them this thing and we say, well, sit in a corner and uh, entertain yourself. Now, the children are smarter than the parents today. They know how to take out the blockers. They know how to get around stuff. The parents have no idea what's going on because we give this instrument to babysit our children. And loved ones, let me tell you, there's so much going on on this thing that I don't want it in my house anymore. And I'm telling you that not to show you that I don't have one, but you must be careful with yours. You, you go to work, your children come home, you are at work or wherever, and your children has ability to do whatever they want while you are not there. And worst of all, like I said, we give them a phone, we give it to them on the watch, and all over. So they can do what they want, and... Let me tell you, the literature out there is not easy. I, I went somewhere and I saw some babies watching something in yellow with one eye in the middle of his head. And uh, I'm saying, but wait, why are people having them ch the children to look at the one eye thing? Whatever the name is, I don't know. I, I can't tell you because I... I the, um... Uh, what do you call it again? The virtual reality um, goggles thing? Don't know. I don't know the name. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I saw the thing with one eye, one big, big eye in the middle of his forehead. And I think it has some yellow suit or something. Anyway, okay. I, I don't uh, that alone tells you this thing has to do with witchcraft. Mm. All of this, super this and the super that, and you press a button and it gives you extra power. And you have the games where you can buy power and you could do this on a bunch of evil. What do you expect from your children? Hmm. And then the thing about it, they call you and say, listen, Miss Daniel, your son is giving us hell in the school. No, 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 not, not, my, not my David. No way. Not my babies. <laughs> not, not David. David is a good boy. But you don't know what's cooking up and what's controlling David, and sooner or later, you don't know what to do with David in your own house. And I mean, I'm just telling you what I see. Because uh, let me leave that and just give you a quick example and I'll quit. Mm -hmm. 
Um, ages ago, we had Hurricane Hugo. I think I was around 89. And the house that I was living in blew down to the ground. And uh, we were looking for some place to put the family. So uh, I found a house and uh, uh, it had some windows and stuff. But we made, you know, we needed to live somewhere. So we moved in. Uh, I think they call that squatting. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, um, I think the government didn't really care because, I mean, anyway. Um, one night we went to bed and my daughter was about, how old are you, about five or so? Uh-huh. About four years old. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, come, come. I see something on the wall. I came running and I see nothing. I look up, I look around. I see nothing on the wall. I say, listen, go to bed. There's nothing there. She say, yes, there it is. It's a lizard. I can see it. And those times, I mean, I didn't know nothing about the spiritual. And I'm saying, well, there's nothing. And I got upset because the child would keep calling, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy. She, she wouldn't go to bed. Anyway, making the story very short. Uh, you'd put her in the car and she'd put her foot up her feet up on the chairs. She said there's, she call all the unclean stuff. There's snakes, there's lizards, there's frogs. And I'm saying, my God, where, where do we get all this stuff from? What's going on? Mm. But I didn't have that problem until we moved into that house. So one day, uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to go to. So I said, well, I have to deal with this thing. Uh, when I spoke to my mom, she said, well, if the child is saying she see the stuff, that means it's there. So I said, well, hmm, what do I do? It's there. So I took her into the car. We went for a drive and I spoke to her and I did some prayers. And I told her, when I'm finished praying, tell me if you still see these things. When I did the first prayer, she said, yes, look them right there, the lizard, and she started calling the names. I prayed again, and I told her, when you see those lizards and all those things you call in, tell them that they must go. You don't want to have nothing to do with them. And brethren, when I prayed the second prayer, the child said, daddy, they are gone. I couldn't believe it. Hmm. I could not believe it. And that is how I started in that field. And maybe sometime I can share some of the things that I have seen with my own eyes. I'm not talking about stuff that I read in a book or somebody told me. But I can tell you things I have seen uh, when I uh, approach the Father on the behalf of other people. Uh, when I start to tell you these things, I think some of you might get uh, a little afraid but um, it is not that you should be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world but if you are not in the place that you ought to be you would be afraid you would be scared you would be start you would start shaking but these things are real those powers are there and they are destroying our lives some of these spirits are sitting at home in your chair some of them are sitting in your lap. And some of you will not believe because they haven't said anything to you. If they start talking to you and starting 
to do things that you don't understand and start flinging stuff, then you would understand what's going on. But as long as some of us haven't seen it, we will not believe. So I'll stop here and uh, maybe uh, next week, if uh, the Most High or whenever we, we go back on this subject, I could uh, come in again and share some of the things that I have seen in this lifetime, not in books, or say, uh, somebody tell me, but things I have seen for myself. Don't go too far, Brother Felix. Um, I want you to close out with prayer, but let me say uh, I appreciate what you had to share with the Mishpachah because this is some very serious stuff when you really think about it. Um, the book of Psalms 119 um, gives us the understanding that the word of the Most High is very, very powerful. And as you, met, was, and as you were talking about um, that situation with your daughter, I remember when I was a child that uh, I used to have these nightmares and stuff. And um, my mother taught me to always pray Psalms 91 or Psalms 27. And she instructed me to memorize these things. And brothers, I tell you, sisters, it's very, very powerful indeed. Um, it will keep at bay. This is why in Matthew chapter 4, the words that Yeshua used, or the, the words that Satan used, he was actually quoting from Psalms 91. It says, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands, in their hands shall they bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. He was actually quoting from Psalms 91. So Satan knows um, those powerful Psalms, and if you use those Psalms against him, he has no uh, power. Let me read this last Psalms, and then we will um, we'll close up. Psalms 119, verses 9. This is how we get ourselves right. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? What does it say? By taking heed thereto according to the Most High's word. Not according to my word or my opinion or what someone is saying. It's based upon his word. If we defy his word, we're going to have a lot of problems. So, Family, we thank you so much, and uh, we will continue. So let's call this part one, Brother Felix. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Excellent. So let's have Brother Felix close out with a word of prayer in the name of our King. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful tonight for your mercies. We thank you, Father, for this gathering, and we thank you for those, oh, Father, who have gathered with us on this topic. Father, we know that the enemy is rough with your people. Those who decide to keep your commandments, he is rough. But Father, we bring ourselves before you and we ask you to forgive us for our sins. The sins, oh Father, that has parted us from you and have divided us from our heritage. Father, forgive us. We want to ask you also, Father, that you would forgive our forefathers mm -hmm. who have sold us out for money or for luxury or whatever the case might be. And some of us, oh Father, are suffering because of somebody else's buy. 
We didn't buy it, O oh Father, and we refuse to keep it. Therefore, we ask you in the name of Yahshua Messiah that you would destroy the works of the enemy that has begun in our lives, whether by our choice or by the choice of our fathers or uh, the houses that we have chosen, the apartments, uh, uh, our neighbors who have brought in infections in, in our homes and in our cars and in our ways of life at work. As we cross paths with them, oh Father, whatever they have, we have taken home. At this time, we, we ask you, Father, that you would cleanse our house, our homes, our lives, our hearts, our mind. Mm -hmm. Do a cleaning, oh Father. It is spring, and we're asking you to spring in our lives and destroy the works of the enemy, oh Father. Those of us who have tried and are tired and have done all we can, but the enemy does not leave. We ask you, oh Father, to strengthen them. Give them the courage, O oh Father, that they too might be able to take up the whole armor, mm -hmm. not half. Give yes. them the courage that they can take up the armor, O oh Father, and fight the enemy out of their life, out of their house, out of their children. Father, give us the courage. We know some of us are afraid. Some of us don't know what to do. Some of us have no friends. We don't know where to turn, what to do. Father, we pray that you would give each and every one the courage that they too might be able to fight the battle for themselves. Yes. Well said. I know it is rough, but we can do it, loved ones. We can. We have to make up our minds to do it. We have to, as, uh, as we heard earlier, we have to live a life that is clean. If your life is not clean, put it on hold. Clean up yourself. Clean up your house. Clean up your cars. Put the trash out. It's spring. It's Passover. It's a good time to begin. And Father, give us the courage that we too will not hold on to the things that we like and pass them by. And these are the same things, oh Father, who is causing us the problems in our house, in our lives. Give us the courage, oh Father, to put them out. Some of it is expensive. Some of it must be given by our mother or by our father or by a good friend, whatever it might be. Father, we look at these objects and we know that they are not good. But because it was given to us by a friend or a good family member, we want to hold on to it. And by holding on to it, Father, we know that we are keeping those enemies within our house. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. Give us what it takes, oh Father, to put them out. Give us the courage to put them out. Father, before I close, I pray that you would forgive those of us who have the heart that we cannot forgive. This is where the enemy has a foot in our doors because we cannot forgive my mom. I cannot forgive my father. You don't know what he has done to us, Brother Felix. You won't understand. But the father is telling us, if you forgive not men, Yes. Their trespasses, he will not forgive you. So therefore, if you want to, if you want him to forgive you, you have to let go. If you let go, you feel better. If you let go, it will heal your heart, your mind, your home. So therefore, let go, loved ones. Let the Father clean you up. Let your let the Father give you the love that you never had. Mm -hmm. Put him in front. Put him in front. 
I know it is tough. I have been there. I have had things done to me. And I have done things to people. And I thank the Father that one day they were able to go down on their knees and say, Father, forgive Brother Felix, even though his heart is, is heavy or whatever the case might be. And today, I feel free because somebody has forgiven me or something that I have done to them. However the hill is, how high the hill might be, you might not be able to do it tonight uh, or all of it tonight, but begin, loved ones, begin forgiving. Forgive people who have done you wrong. The Bible tells us if somebody has done against us, not we do against them, if somebody has done against you, forgive. Forgive. Tomorrow, they will thank you. Let it go. Remember, clean your house. That's where you need to begin. Father, bless us with your spirit. Cleanse us from head to toe and save us from this world of sin. We thank you, Father, for your mercies. We thank you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Brother Felix. Sister Leah, shalom, shalom to you. Shalom. Well, family, we thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And we will continue on to investigate this very important subject and, uh, and dive more into it because that's, that was one of the areas that you sure spent a whole lot of time. Now, as Brother Felix were speaking about those uh, demons and stuff, um, just imagine the man whose son was foaming at the mouth um, probably would have never done anything about his son if this, the demon did not manifest himself in that way. He probably would have thought, well, his son was just, you know, physically impaired. But from the time that the demon started to cast his son into the fire or to drown him, that's when he took a step to have this demon removed. So as Brother Felix mentioned, sometimes the demons will sit there comfortable. There'll be no problems but he's doing what he has to do. So let us be mindful of everything. With that said, let's say Lila Tov to the Mishpika.